And now, live, it's time. Carr will go back into the gun. Jacobs cuts middle, walks in. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs, touchdown. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We have a good team. We have a good team that competes with stuff at all the time. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We don't feel like effort's been an issue at all. It's the handoff. Bust toward the end. Jackpot, baby. Pinion Drake takes it home. Here's your host, JT the Brick. JT, back with you, hour number two of the show as we begin, brought to you by Five Iron Golf, the best indoor golf facility, period. Even better than the outdoor ones, wink, wink. Best place to hit golf balls, food and drink, right inside Area 15. Every time I go there, I'm in shock. I have such a good time. Go there on the weekends on Saturday, hit some balls, play a golf course, get some food, relax, and my golf game gets better. For me, those who golf with me know I'm trying to get my golf game better. A stroke here or there helps out. Always a blow-up hole on the back nine when I want to turn in that scorecard. Oh, just want to turn in a clean card. Usually doesn't happen, but the ball is going longer, more accurate because of my time at 5-Iron Golf inside Area 15. So Harry Ruiz will join us coming up here in a bit. You know, I was talking to my dad. My dad's 83. I talk to him every day, and he knows – you know, he grew up a Giant fan, diehard, uh, but he loves the Raiders because the son, that would be me, works for the Raiders. He wants to see my life be enhanced by the Raiders winning. And we were talking today, and we mentioned that, you know, radio's easier when your team loses, but I wish that doesn't happen. And he nailed it. I mean, I, I despise doing these shows when they lose. I really do. I do them. I got a very easy job, and it gets much easier to do a sports talk radio show when teams lose. And uh, that's one of the things I didn't want in Vegas when we had hockey and the Raiders coming here. Because for years I've been in this market where a lot of the media enjoys the losing. That's what they like on radio. They like discomfort, stupidity, losing. Losing makes for easier shows on shows that are already easy to begin with. I don't like that. I want to see the home team win. I'm not a journalist. I want to see the Raiders win every game. Always been this way since I worked for the team and been on their flagship stations. And when they're not winning, it makes for much easier radio shows with more fans that are triggered and fired up, which means like on a day like today, Bobby texted me last night. I did a long post game. Then I did my three-hour show till 11 at night. Yesterday was a long day, really long. And, I mean, Bobby's texting me, what do you want to do tomorrow? I said, nothing. Clear everything out. We're going to just talk to the fans. How hard's that? So Harry Ruiz will join us, the Latino voice of the Raiders. Crack, Bill Krakenberger at the bottom of the hour to bring some levity to the show. Mike in L.A., diehard Raider fan. What's happening, Mikey? Thanks for holding. Go ahead. What's up, JT? How you doing, buddy? Good uh, to hear from you, bud. I've been called to talk about this, about Nas Calder, totally disrespecting Mark Davis and all. He's so out of line. He has no idea what a contact he is or what he has done getting the team over to Vegas. Paying all that money to get John Gruden, no one stepped up and has had a bigger heart than Mark Davis. So, totally out of line for that. Okay, so my frustration. Correct me if I'm wrong. How many timeouts did we have before halftime yesterday? I don't know. I think I think we had two. I I know we had one that people were freaking out about. I thought I thought we had three left on the clock, but I mean on on the board. But okay, even two. Why would you leave at halftime? with that score and not take any timeouts to do anything. To leave those timeouts on the board was absolutely made no sense. Um, 
where's the depot? I mean, sure, Ruggs is gone, but Zay Jones, let's not forget the first home opener. Where do we go for that final touchdown in the overtime? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got Deshaun who could stretch it. I mean, we, I don't know what's going on with that. At least we, we're not even attempting a deep ball anymore and being aggressive. It's just, it's, it's crazy. I don't, you know, and, you know, yeah, Gruden's gone and Versace came in at the right time, you know, because of all the turmoil that you know, was going on and he had a calm, you know, like demeanor. And we just, we didn't need any more chaos. But it's, it's apparent with Gruden not around, not his energy, the team is just not, doesn't have it. I, I just don't. They're just not there. I mean, even against Denver, I mean, we were going deep. But, you know, we, there's, there's no attempts at deep ball. Even if you don't, you know, mm-hmm. complete it, you're hoping for a PI foul, right? Just nothing. And then first and goal on the nine-yard line, you don't do anything. You don't, I mean, Waller is, is a beast. He can fight off anybody. He can overjump anybody. He's such a beast. And you're not going to throw the ball. And you made a comment about Carr being, you know, scared to throw an interception in. And I love Carr. You know, I've told you this mm-hmm. a thousand you times. You do? I love Carr. Class act guy. Great player. I, I'm not a Carr hater. I want Carr. But I, I don't know, you know, why was Carr able to audible so much more at the line of scrimmage under Gruden? And he's not even doing it now. Mike, got to run, man. We got a guest. A good point, Joe. I'll bring it up here. I, I, I think Derek audibles too much, but that's the strength of Derek. Derek is very good. Derek is very good at the line of scrimmage. Coaches have told me this at a very high level. Coaches have told me how great, not good, Derek is at the line of scrimmage. The only thing I'm suggesting is that if Derek runs a no huddle and a hurry-up offense and gets to the line of scrimmage as the other team can't take players and sub them in and out, that would be an advantage to Derek as he overlooked the defense quickly and then decided to run a play from the the advantage that he would have. Uh, they throw a 14-yard over-the-middle route to Waller. Waller puts the ball on the ground. Carr is sprinting like Usain Bolt to get to the line of scrimmage. Carr gets to the line of scrimmage, takes a half a second, sets the line of scrimmage, and then runs another play. He calls the play at the line. Everybody knows what it is. Remember, they're playing fast. I'm suggesting, as we're about to bring in Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Raiders, Harry, I'm suggesting... Play faster on offense. Let Derek make those decisions quickly because the decisions, Harry, that he's going to make are passing decisions. I'm not asking him to run a hurry-up offense and then just hand it off to Josh Jacobs for a two-yard gain. I'm saying why not run the faster, up-tempo, quicker offense so Waller and Renfro, who know the play, can run it to a defense that isn't set. How do you see it? Absolutely. First off, JT, JT, thanks for having me on again. And I absolutely agree. And you suggested it last week. And I saw your tweet. And when you're like, there it is, finally, it shows up. And it's like when you absolutely need to just try to move the ball as soon as quick as possible, because the clock is your opponent as well. They can't do that only in those situations. They got to fight for that way to find a way to move the ball and they weren't able to do it and especially in third third downs against the Giants it was a red zone that killed the Raiders against the Chiefs and the Bengals those third downs have been the reason why Las Vegas hasn't been able to get wins Harry Ways joins us uh, on the broadcast call so Harry what gets me in this game yesterday is you knew Burrow you knew Mixon and then obviously Jamar Chase he, he they're all going to make a play and they all did but Mixon really gave him fits. He ran hard 
outside the box, inside the box, whenever he had to. And the Raiders, I thought, were going to tackle a little bit better. At times, they were able to stop him at the line of scrimmage, but the heavy dose of Mixum was clearly the game plan for the Bengals, and they won the game easily. Yeah, he's a power guy. He was able to be a key piece of the Bengals' offense in those long offensive series and those drives where they were able to just ground and pound and get that Raiders' defense tired to the point where towards the end of the game they were they, they were able to do whatever they wanted to do. They scored 13 points in the first three quarters, and then they did almost all the other damage in the fourth quarter when the Raiders' defense was just tired like crazy they had been on the field too much time they almost doubled the time of possession over the Raiders and that's why you need a power guy like Joe Mixon you see Derrick Henry with Tennessee before he got injured they can kill you that way and Cincinnati they got a great guy in Joe Mixon there Harry Ruiz is our guest so let's jump in from your perspective calling the game upstairs uh what do you think of the body language of Derrick on the bench a lot of fans are talking about that today was that a topic on your show? Could you see that from your perspective calling the game? You're concentrating on the game. But did you notice the, the sideline and their lack of intensity? Yeah, and I think it's the second time this week, even post-game, when he's like, I'm tired of this crap. And he's talking about the losing, about not being able to get the results that they need. And you could see it in his face. But at the same time, now you got a short week. You got only three days to get ready for your next task. And it's you got to change the tape. You got to switch it up and try to find a way to turn the page and get to the next challenge. And you can be frustrated in that moment. But once you get to the facilities this morning it was a different situation i know a lot of people were mad at denzel perryman bringing up his dinner reservations yesterday during the the post-game press conference i'm like hey i went to dinner after the game i was mad and i prepped all my show this morning because last night i wasn't in the mood for it i'm like hey you gotta have dinner somehow it's like I'm not I'm not mad at that and Derek Carr you can have that body language as well when you're not seeing that nothing is working in your favor Harry Ruiz, part of the Spanish radio broadcast crew for the Raiders here at Lotus Broadcasting. Uh, I just thought it was a game where they would be there'd be more of a sense of urgency, and maybe there is. Maybe they're coming out of the tunnel and they're they're breaking walls and they're ready to play, but they just can't find that rhythm. And Harry, I can't imagine what it must have been like looking down, seeing them turn the ball over early, have first and goal at the nine, and not do anything with it. Once the three points went on the board. I think all the fans said, what, did you, what just happened? Everybody got up, gave the Raiders the standing ovation for an early turnover, and I think everybody in the building thought there'd be a touchdown right after that. Yeah, and I hear a lot of people that are disappointed that Payton Barber got that first down, first and goal run. I'm like, hey, he was the one with the best positive yardage in that offensive series. He got three yards. If you move the ball three yards at a time from the nine, guess what? That's a touchdown. He did a good job there, but then the next two plays, their passes behind the line of scrimmage. It's going to be tough. You've got to take a shot in the end zone, and the Raiders definitely didn't do it. And sense of urgency, JT, I would have loved to see a sense of urgency in those last 30 seconds of the first half. I know it was hard, but the Raiders had two timeouts. What did they do? Short pass to Hunter Renfro, run, end of the first half. They went to the halftime break with two timeouts in their pockets, and they didn't use them. I would have loved to see a sense of urgency saying, you know what, let's throw it down the field, let's try to get in the field goal range, and let's get a field goal. I didn't see sense of urgency there for sure. Harry Ruiz is our guest. Follow him at Harry, R-U-I-Z. Great way to follow Raiders content, man. He has a lot of it. He's always loading new videos, putting out fresh content. A must-follow if you're in the Raider Nation. For Gus Bradley's defense, they're playing 
okay. They're getting off the field on a couple of stops, but they're still giving up big chunk plays, big chunk plays. And I've been really hard on Jonathan Abram because I wouldn't play him against Kansas City again. Not this year. I would not. I would not activate him versus Kansas City because he's a liability. And I thought he played okay against the Bengals until he gave up that last touchdown when he lets a Bengal chase the best player, best young player in the league, get behind him. You can't let someone get behind you at the safety position in the end zone when you're the last line of defense. And also another guy that got a lot of criticism after after that Chiefs game was Brandon Faison. And what about him? That first half, he had three passes defended. Before that, in his time with the Raiders, he had five. So he had a good bounce-back game, but unfortunately, the final score is all that matters. And at the end of the day, I like this Raiders defense, but it's not built to win you games. It's built to limit the opponents so that, that the offense can get their job done, that they can do what they did last year, and that's put up over 27 points consistently. And the Raiders, they've been stopped under 20 these last three games. And when you play that way... That defense, which in my opinion is a little bit above average, but it's not like great, not top 10. But that's what the Raiders needed with last year's offense. With this year's offense, they need an elite defense in these last three games to win a game. Harry Ruiz, as we wrap it up, I was talking to a friend about this who's a Raider fan, and he told me, he goes, this is the the text he sent to me. We're at a crossroads like I've never seen before. The guys are saying that they're playing for each other, but it feels like, It's tunnel vision for each individual. Where is the identity of this offense? Why not up-tempo? Why no huddle? We have the talent to attack, so start doing it. Commit to it and find the identity again. And, Harry, one thing I think we both agree on, this offense has no identity. They want to get Josh Jacobs going. He can't deliver. They want to get Waller going. They were able to get him going a little bit more this last game. And then the guys that they let hang around – and they're on the roster because they're supposed to help, like Deshaun Jackson and Zay Jones, they never get a look. So I think you just got to go with Renfro Waller the rest of the season and hope that one of those two guys or both of them can bail the Raiders out. And Brian Edwards, who had a heck of a game against Kansas City, not even a target in this game. And that's why a lot of criticism towards Carr went this week and it's like, hey, you're not looking for Waller enough. Well, he got him those eight passes. He got over 100 yards, but nobody else got over 30 yards in this Raiders offense. They need to find an identity. And it's funny you bring it up because Eric Allen, he watches a game in the booth with us. And Mm -hmm. I went during one of the commercial breaks and that's one thing we were discussing. It's like, where's, where's our identity? This team used to be a running team that that opened up the uh, the air offense, and now it's like you can't find anything. You can't get anything to roll for this Raiders offense, and Derek Carr needs to take control. I'm, I'm throwing the challenge flag to him this Thursday. I'm like, I need you to show me that you want to be the guy, not only this year and next, but going forward. All right, Howard, how's your week look? We, we got a Thursday game. I know all the fans that listen to your show and listen to the broadcast. What do you got lined up this week as we get ready for the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day? Yeah, so Thursday we got the pregame show at 1230, then the game at 130, one-hour postgame show. Friday we're off, but we'll have the postgame show for La Nacion on Deportes Vegas, 1460 a.m. Deportes Vegas, of course, and uh, on social media, at Harry Ruiz if you want to follow me in English. And then I got at La Nacion Raider, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. I post a lot of content and in Spanish about the silver and black for all of my Latino Raider Nation brothers and sisters. It's an army of listeners. Fantastic, loyal group. Thanks for doing this on Mondays with me. I appreciate it. Have a, have a great Thanksgiving if I don't see you before. Thank you, Juan. Muchas gracias, hermano. You got that. Thank you. I am, I am Juan. I am Juan. 
Thank you. All right, so Harry's in there. Uh, when we come back, Rich Passaccia is speaking, so we'll grab a portion of that for you. Bill Krakenberger, America's favorite gambler at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk to Crack. He's always fun. He lightens it up a bit. And how about our friends at Sam and Ash? They'll do it all for you. You need to recover from an injury and an accident. Let them do the rest. SamandAshLaw.com. SamandAshLaw.com. 702-820-1234. A bit of the head coach coming up on the other side. Yeah, I'll just I'll let you guys talk about that stuff. Um, you can watch it and all that kind of stuff respectfully. Like you can watch it and you know come up with your own things and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm just going to try my best to execute the game plan like I always do. You know, but you know, being a Raider fan for a long time, you know, 20 years of this crap is enough. You know, I'm fed up. I just want to be a part of the the the, the moment it changes. You know, that I want that so bad, and uh, that's what keeps driving me. You know, I get pissed off and I get upset and I, I stand up here and I've done this way too many times than I'd like to do it. Um, you know, because in my heart, um, the men in our room, the way we work, the way we go after things, it shouldn't always end like this crap. And so uh, we have another one in just a few days against a really good football team. So if we don't want to stand up here and have to do this again, we better get it right. That's Derek Carr. It's a very important soundbite because it shows you how frustrated he is. Turn it up, Sammy Hagar. Let me hear that. I got to tell you about meeting Sammy. And again, I know fans care more about football, but this is my life and your life. And got a chance to meet Sammy uh, not too far after that performance. And he performed there. I enjoyed it. I was in a different part of the stadium listening. But the Red Rocker, Sammy Hagar with the Raider gear on performing at halftime. That was fun in a game that I thought was manageable and the Raiders would come back. Raiders got smoked in the second half at home, smoked by Kansas City and Cincinnati. That's completely unacceptable. Let's head out to Henderson, Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, the head coach, Rich Basaccia. Um, You know, watching the tape, um, it really looked the same. You know, we, uh, well, I think we really improved on I think we, we um, played well enough on defense to give us a chance. Our tackling was much better than it was a week ago. We had talked about that. Um, but certainly the self-inflicted penalties, especially on third down, um, put us in bad situations at times. And then we're still working through some of the um, call them in sync issues that we have on offense and, and uh, see if we can get ourselves going a little bit better in that direction. So I um, also thought we came back and played better in the punt game, did a better job protecting him. And A.J. True to form, uh, played pretty well, gave us a chance with some good punts in the red zone. With that, I'll take some questions. Rich, um, it's usually the case in a, in a season where you sometimes you just got to plant your feet and start swinging back and fighting back. And um, it's been three weeks of, you know, other teams kind of dictating terms uh, with you guys. Do you feel like you got the capable guys in there from top to bottom to start swinging back and fighting back? Well, I, we've been fighting. You know, fighting to me comes from the soul, and it's the heart of a man. I, I don't see those issues on tape. Um, 
I feel like we've we've done a good job of battling. I think uh, certainly the Kansas City game got away from us a little bit at the end, and uh, maybe this game paralleled that one a little bit to some degree. We just we've had trouble extending third downs on offense, and then like I talked about earlier, we've we've um, shot ourselves in the foot a little bit defensively. We've had them stopped on multiple third downs. We've gotten penalties, and then when they got some manageable third downs, you know we haven't had a chance to stop them. So when you put your defense out there time and time and time again, and at times there's gonna they're gonna break right. There's gonna to be a give in the wall. And uh, so we have to do a better job offensively keeping our defense off the field, extending third downs. But I don't see the fight or the will of our team or the will of the in- individual men in there being an issue. I don't see an issue in our effort or our ability to compete to the bitter end. Um, but, uh, you know, everyone has their take on it. I feel like we have to do a better job in executing our plays. You guys have always been built as a team that wants to run the ball and uh, be a, a punishing uh, run game. But they just haven't been able to do that yet this year. How, how, has that played into maybe some of those third down situations? Yeah, I, again, Vin, I just think we're, we're trying to be see how we're built right now. I remember I think two weeks ago you guys were talking about how complimentary you are of the run game and how things were going better and looked like we were moving in the right direction running the football and, and we were giving all the credit to coaches and players and some of those things. So, um, you know, we're just trying to do what we can, what we see going into the game, what we could take advantage of. That's the belief we have after we come out of the practice sessions. I think we went into the game with the same thing. These are the things we believe we can do um, in order to help Help us get in position to score points, and it just hasn't gone that way. And again, we, we have to take that upon ourselves, what the reasons are, uh, what we can do better execution-wise, what position we can put them in. Hopefully, they can play better, and that's kind of how we're going about it today. Derek said he thought the team was flat yesterday. What, what so, your can you just be a little louder, please? Yeah, Derek said he thought the team was flat yesterday. I'm wondering what your thoughts were on that, especially at least on offense. We thought they were if they were flat at all. Well, again, I think you know I respect Derek's opinions, but I, I look at what we did on the first drive on defense, and we got the ball turned over, and we got the ball to plus nine, and we didn't do a very good job of coming out of there with points. We ended up getting a field goal. We'd like to have a touchdown in that situation. So, again, he has a right to his opinion. I, I thought we played with great energy early in the game. Rich, as an in-game manager, as you've described yourself in the past, how much more aggressive would you like to see the offense in general, Derek in particular, be uh, when attacking the end zone? Yeah, again, um, we thought we had the plays called for the defenses that we were getting. Did we execute them well down there on the nine when we first got there? No. But I look back at the second half, and we had a three-play drive again. We went right down the field and put the ball in the end zone. And... uh, Although it was a great drive for us, it was exciting to get a touchdown. We ended up putting our defense right back on the field again, as crazy as, as that is. And we, we didn't do a very good job on that particular kickoff. We gave them a drive start at the 38-yard line. So um, we're going to try to take advantage the best we can with the belief system we have going in of what they're going to give us to have a chance to put the ball in the end zone. It just hasn't worked out well lately. Coach, you lost, you lost some of your key special teamers uh, to injury uh, last week. Uh, who were who the guys that kind of stepped up and, uh, and contributed better this week? Well, again, I thought AJ, again, played well, um, did a good job punting the football. We had to put some different guys in different spots. Patrick played and, and uh, moved him over to tackle. And then we put um, Sutton Smith in, played for us on kickoff and kickoff return. And, um, you know, so we've done some of those things. We've got Daniel Helm now playing the wing for us on punt, and he's playing on kickoff return. So we're just going to kind of keep mix and matching the best we can. You know, we used some, we, we put Zay back on the punt team, put him on the outside, and we'd gotten Teamer back this particular week, and he played in all four phases. Well, uh, any, uh, any other injuries coming out of yesterday? Uh, Just uh, right now, the one that's new is, is uh, John Simpson um, has a little bit of a oblique strain that we're you know, kind of be day-to-day as we go along, and, and uh, I think that's the only one, best of my knowledge, uh, that we have right now.
All right, that's Rich Passaccia. There'll be more of that. I'm sure Q, who's down there, will be playing more of that. So you can find that on YouTube, all the Raiders media, Rich Passaccia. And we don't talk to him this week on the short week. I was the host of the Silver and Black show last week. I'm hosting a Thanksgiving edition this week uh, with Lincoln Kennedy. So that'll be a quick show, but a look back at the season, and then we get back on our schedule the week after that. Raider Mike, my guy. Came out to my house this weekend with his lovely daughter, still in Vegas. How are you, Mike? Rick, dude, I'm up at McCarran's if you lose me, man. No, uh, nothing personal there. Hey, uh, great interview with Harry Ruiz. Um, I met him out there in uh, in the J-Lot at uh, uh, the Chicago game. A great dude, great dude, knowledgeable about the game. He brought up some great points on the running game. Dude, if you're not converting third downs, your running game is going to suck. And basically, that's what happened yesterday. I mean, you look at the teams that run the football, they're converting their third downs. And uh, that's the problem. I, great interview with the coach. Um, I thought it ironic that we've had two huge special teams breakdowns two weeks in a row, the fake punt against the Chiefs. And then, dude, that, that, that return just killed us yesterday after we marched down the field. You know, I, I've been a critic of our quarterback, but uh, I'm not going to pile on here. I'd, I'd be like Greg Townsend back in the day when he uh, – he used to pile on Howie Long's sack for that half a sack. That's just not my style. Uh, you know, we were wandering the, quarter, uh, the, the desert for eight years looking for a glass of water at quarterback, uh, seeing some flashes, seeing some mirages. Uh, some days he looks like Tom Brady. Some days he looks like Tom Flick. It's just it's the nature of the beast, bro. I would have liked to have seen uh, Mariota on some third downs yesterday. Uh, I was wondering why we would not see that. But, uh, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen this Thursday. Um, I've never felt this uh, this disenchanted as a fan. I'm not going anywhere, but my God, man. So going into it with an open mind, I might try to get out in the parking lot, uh, hook up with someone in Raider Nation. You know, I'm out there in Arlington. But uh, keep doing you, Brick. Keep strong, babe. Thank you. The great Raider, Mike. We started calling together. We started calling together. He's probably the most important Raider caller of all time. From Jim Rome's jungle to the shows that we have, just great to hear from him. And he cruised by. He was driving up to St. George, gave me a text. I said, come on by for some beverages. He came by the house with his daughter and my wife, and we had a couple of good memories. Really good sit-down, man. One of the great friends I've met through radio, and uh, really proud to call him a friend. Uh, We're excited to talk gambling on this show, as you know. And we only talk to the premier gamblers and the bookmakers and the people that can help you make money. America's favorite sports gambler, kind enough to join us, Bill Krakenberger from Crack Wins. And, Crack, you go from A.C. to Vegas, back in A.C. on the East Coast. Take our listeners behind the scenes. What's going on with the handle in New Jersey, the size of gambling in New Jersey? Compare it to Vegas. Well, J.T., first, thanks for having me on. And, yes, uh, the numbers came out. Uh, last month uh, in October, 1.3 billion with a B in handle. That is just a, a number that I even cannot fathom. I knew it was we were going to have big numbers here, but I really didn't think they were going to get to a billion dollars that quick. The month before had 996 million, I believe was the number. Last month, 1.3 billion. Uh, it, it's just really, really shocking. But I guess it shouldn't be either. There are a lot of hardcore gamblers here on the East Coast. You know, New Jersey itself. Uh, I thought it was going to suffer a little bit when Philadelphia or Pennsylvania opened up. And uh, now we have gambling in New York, even though it's upstate. We do have gambling there. We have Washington uh, right right in the stadium there taking bets on kiosks. It does not appear to affect New Jersey at all. I'm sure New York, when they start the mobile wagering right there in Manhattan in the next two months, it will affect it a little bit, but nothing like I think uh, 
that, that, that New Jersey thought it was going to affect in the beginning. This is giant numbers. It's the reason I'm here. I'm across the country. I'm in New Jersey to bet because this is the sports betting capital of the world. That's right. Not Las Vegas, New Jersey, with 21 licensed legal sports books. We're in, in uh, Las Vegas. Um, I personally have about five places that I'm allowed to bet in, in, in Las Vegas. There are, I think, eight different places to bet at. Uh, but again, the places like, you know, the, the Treasure Islands, the William Hills, the, 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 the stations, these are the places that you know, throw out winners, and, and that's why I'm not allowed to play in them. But New Jersey here, and I'm not saying New Jersey doesn't, because there are some smaller apps and, and some apps that limit you here in New Jersey also. But um, listen, I'm finding it very, very mm-hmm. successful here to, to walk into some the, the brick-and-mortar sports books that you walk into. There are taking bets over the counter. Sometimes the mobile apps, they... They try to limit you a little bit, but they're taking—I mean—they're taking five thousand dollars bets from me over at DraftKings. And uh, you know, I'm a spokesman for points bet, yet I'm talking about a different company, <laughs> DraftKings, because they take bets. So, uh, anyway, yeah. So it's, Bill, this is the capital right here. Bill Krakenberg is our guest, one of the sharpest gamblers in the world. Take our listeners behind the scenes who haven't met you or heard about you, even though you're on Showtime, you're on this show all the time. Why wouldn't a casino want to book your bets? What has happened? What do they know about you? And when you look at the sharps, the public, the squares, what's happening out there, why not take your business all the time? What are they worried about other than you winning? All I want is a company to take a, literally a $500 wager from someone like myself. And if you consider me the sharp guy that people say I am, and you know, listen, I know I win. I know I, I, I've never had a losing quarter in my losing year, so I do know I win. And I do know how I would treat me and other sharp guys like me if I was on the bookmaking end. I would take our bets for 500 bucks uh, or even 1000 bucks. but now it's college basketball here. I definitely have a giant edge. Probably my, my, my best edges of the season is, is college basketball the first two, three months. So I would take the bet. I would learn by me and, and overmove the line and get the public on the other side of the line. In other words, if I'm coming in and I'm taking 10 on a game, well, then move it right to eight. Go to eight. Now you're only going to get favorites. Now you're only going to get betters on the favorite laying the eight. And you're going to have the same side I have. You're going to be booking 11 to 10. Oh, by the way, and you're going to be holding their money. Uh, so they're posting up with you. So, um, But it does hurt some people. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought about this the other day. This actually hurts the sports books because a lot of times they're so scared of someone coming in betting and getting the best of the line, it's almost like you walk to the counter and it's like the Wizard of Oz. I'm get, I'm seeing the scarecrow, and they're they're like they're all scarecrows. They're they're made to scare customers away because I'll tell you, going to a sports book, you want to bet. There's they're actually taking bets only three or four hours before tip-offs. Now certain sports books or certain places, I'm not going to mention them. I'm not single no one out, but places now instead of betting in the morning, so. People are coming in. They want to make their bets on the app or whatever it may be. They're home. They can't even bet on the games until three hours before tip-offs because a couple sharp guys. And let me just tell you something. The fear is it's overly done. It's overly out there. I mean, listen, I have a three, four, five, okay, maybe 7% edge on college basketball. That, that doesn't mean you should limit every square guy that's looking to bet their Dukes and Michigans and, and UCLA's mm-hmm. and um, you know they're limited now themselves, so they don't even get the bets in with you. They may find a different avenue, another screen to go to, and leave your sports book because someone else has taken their fifty, hundred, and two hundred dollar bets, which doesn't sound like nothing, but on volume it equals a lot of money. And in the end, I really believe sports books that aren't booking bets the proper way are costing their corporation money in the end by not taking bets by me. 
Bill Krakenberger is our guest, America's favorite sports gambler. A couple of games that just blow up parlays and blow up the opportunity. I can imagine what happened at these super contests. The Titans lose at home to the Texans 22-13. to When I say no one had that, if you can point out the Sharp who had that on the money line, please do. And then the Bills get annihilated. I picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl. I think the Bills can get on a big run. The Colts come in desperate to win beat them 45 to 15 like the bills are the jv versus the varsity how does that affect these bookmakers what happened on that sunday crack it's, it's the old adage any given sunday anything can and will happen now even myself i'm always very transparent i do a, a weekly write-up every week wins and losses every single week on, on my app on my website um I had Tennessee in the Survivor Contest there in Vegas. We started out with a $6 million pool down at the Circa. Uh, we're down to 170 entries, I think it was. And I was one of the 170. So actually, my entry was worth about $35,000, the one entry I had left. I lost the other uh, five. Of, I had five of six I lost on Cincinnati versus the Jets when the Cincinnati uh, lost to the Jets uh, two weeks earlier. And last week, um, I'm sorry, this, this, this particular week I had Tennessee thinking that's going to be a – I honestly was counting that as a win. I don't know why. Uh, Tennessee, was, all they have to do is win the game, and they knocked me out of the Survivor, which knocked out about 50 of us. And that just goes to show you that, again, anything can and will happen. Look at the Bills. The Bills lose to Jacksonville. They come back and, and, and destroy the Jets. You figure, oh, now they're going to be on a roll, and they're clear path to the Super Bowl dominance. And, well, not dominance, but a clear path to the Super Bowl. And look what happens. Indianapolis comes in. And, and just embarrasses them. I mean, and, and the, to the sports books, the light. Sports books love when this happens. They love when Tennessee loses outright, being a 10 point favorite. They love when Buffalo loses outright, being a big favorite. Because people love parlaying the money line on these NFL favorites. It's the number one most popular bet in the sports book. People say, well, I'm not going to lay Tennessee. Eh, just in case of 10, 10 and a half points, let me just lay the money line and let me put them with Buffalo. And maybe put them with you know whatever whoever else is a seven point favorite in the NFL. It looks so easy. It looks like easy money. And guess what? It was in the beginning of the season. But everything reverts back to the mean. Look what's happened here. Here we are going into uh, you know we're going into now week uh, twelve or the week twelve in the NFL. The first eleven weeks, literally there was a couple losing weeks in there where I'm not going to say who, but a big big guy in town, one of the casino owners, you could figure it out right away. He even told me he lost money three weeks in a row, and then bang, he won a million bucks the next weekend. Because uh, as soon as teams like Cincinnati are losing outright as a ten-point favorite, and teams like these mm-hmm. games yesterday, that's where their money is. Because people love betting them in the money line, but they also like betting them on teasers. They love teasing them down through the numbers of seven and three, and of course that you know makes this a, a big, giant, prosperous week again for the bookmakers. Bill Krakenberger, last one. Go to Crack Wins, see what he does, especially his Wise Crack pod, which I've been on at WSN.com, is a must-listen. That's why I listen to it, to have an advantage when we put these gentlemen and women on the air who are pros. Crack, finally, it's getting outrageous now. I can see people on Twitter and just tweeting out picks, and they're not accountable, and you got to watch them and go back on their Twitter timeline. Everybody thinks they're an expert on how to make money gambling, and a lot of people know nothing. But more and more hosts that I hear on the radio or listen on syndicated terrestrial radio or on satellite radio, they're not getting guests on like you and getting out of the way and asking the experts what happened at these contests, what happened in the survival pool, and listening to these unbelievable pros 
They're spending 10 minutes telling you about their picks. And they don't tell us if they had 5 bucks on it or 20 bucks. It's wasting 20 minutes of our lives, 10 minutes of our lives. When is this industry going to wake up and say, no one cares about your pick. We want to hear what the pros and the winners are picking and make them on the air tell us about their wins and losses. How can we do that? Fantastic point. And, and I had a tweet up uh, uh, about a week ago talking about uh, real simply, I'm just trying to help people at home. I don't don't even join me, please. Don't 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 do me a favor. Don't join me. Just just I would rather have you not listen to these talking heads that are out there in the media space. And let me just tell you, like I said, I am a spokesman for one of the sports books. There is so many people that are spokesmen now for sports books that are in the space that don't, that they don't even know what's going on in the industry. They don't know what. Not only do they not bet their money. They just give out such bad information. So I put a tweet out there talking about, please, please follow people that just bet their own money and make sure they know what they're talking about. Unfortunately, two females in the space came after me a little bit and challenged mm. me. You know, I don't want to say this, but, you know, I do a lot of shows with some of the females. I love the girls in the space. I've done some great stuff with Kelly in Vegas, Ariel Epstein. I can just keep going on and on and on. Uh, there's a girl, Aaron, that's from, from uh, FanDuel. I've done since Aaron Dolan. I've done great things with those girls, and, and it's been fantastic. But a couple of the girls on other sites came after me and said, you know, just because we don't bet our own money doesn't mean that we're not giving out good information. <laughs> I didn't say that. All I said was is that, that there's blood on the line here. People out there are following your picks. They're following, Listen to me. This is exactly what happened. I'm not going to point out who. A female who has a half a million followers she has a ton of followers, spokesman for one of the sites. She flipped a coin on the on prime time and said, here's who I'm going to go with. And, and she flipped the coin. She goes, now I'm 3-0 and my last three coin flips when I give out games. It sickened me. It sickened me because I know people out there, they'll listen to people like this that are just going by a coin flip. I mean, this, this is, this is it, it's really, really getting bad. It's getting worse and worse. And they're hiring for their followers. They're hiring for maybe their looks or anything. But like I said, listen. I'm not jealous of anyone. I'm not saying that at all. I, I, I love the girls in the space. I just don't like the two of them try to challenge me. You, you, you really, I hate to sound like this because I'm not ever cocky, arrogant. I'm the, I'm the working man's voice. I'm the guy, average Joe. I'm their voice. But you really can't challenge me when it comes to sports betting expertise. I, I bet a million dollars certain weekends uh, in volume. Uh, you know, and, and I know I win. I know what I pay taxes on every year. So. They really should just kind of just, you know, I don't go into anyone else's timelines. I don't say anything bad about anyone else. I may have my opinions. I hold them to myself. They honestly should stay out of mind because it, it, you can't really challenge someone like myself that bets and wins. Thanks, Crack. Uh, happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for doing this. Always thinking about you. I'll see you out here in Vegas soon. Happy holidays you and your family. Thank you for having me on. You got it, Bill Krakenberger. I think he's great. He's an unbelievable content provider. He's transparent. He bets a lot of money, and he wins a lot of money. That's why people know Crack wins. We get him on the radio here so you could hopefully have an advantage. He said, don't follow him. Just don't follow the charlatans that are giving you picks, and they have no idea what they're doing. They're just doing it because they either look nice, they work for a certain company, they're getting paid to give you that company's picks. If you're going to bet on sports, try to make money. Don't throw your money away. Get some advice from people who know how to win. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap it up here with a few more Raider Nation phone calls. How about that? Because I put on my armor today. Felt like, you know, I was a stormtrooper today. My wife had to help me put on the shoulder pads, you know, coming into battle here. 
We're all in this together, Raider Nation. Want to win? Want to see victories at Allegiant Stadium? And it's been a really rough road. A really rough road. But it could make it easier during the holidays. Before Thanksgiving, have a pizza party. Go to Grimaldi's. Best pizza I ever had. Five locations in the Valley. Grimaldi's Pizzeria. Three-point-four to go. Rebels with the final chance. Pass up ahead to Baker. Baker front court. Baker gets pushed down. No call. And a loose ball. No. Oh, my gosh. The Rebels have the game absolutely stolen from them. That was absolute larceny. Whoa, my guy. Turn it up. John Sandler on the call. Larceny. UNLV loses. I was there Friday night. UNLV played Michigan hard and the Roman main event. What a job by Brooks Downing, DJ Allen, the entire team. Uh, proceeds with coaches versus cancer. The opportunity to go out and, and see a great basketball game at T-Mobile. Man, I had a lot of fun. Really appreciate it. The main event next year, you talk about next year, November 18th through the 20th, Baylor, Virginia, Illinois, and UCLA. I love what we're doing with basketball and down here. Tremendous. I'll be out there again this Friday night. Just love seeing basketball at T-Mobile. What, what a venue to see a basketball game. And I like the way UNLV is playing, other than the fact that UNLV had the win against Wichita State, and there was a blocking foul at midcourt that gave Wichita State the opportunity to win the game at the free throw line. Come on. You can't have a blocking call. There's five seconds left to go in the game. You can't get in the way of anybody and put your team at risk like that. Defend hard. Let them shoot a desperate shot and win the game. You put them on the foul line? God, that was a bad, bad idea. So they lose that game. But, again, big basketball programs coming into town, into Las Vegas for obvious reasons. All right, Johnny in San Diego. Wrap it up. How are you, Johnny? All right. Thanks, JT. Love the energy. <clears throat> it was a pleasure to shake your hand with your wife yesterday. I was a season ticket holder from 78. Great to meet you yesterday, sir. Thank you. Great uh, seeing you. Real quick, real quickly, the, the car thing is pretty much out of hand right now. Um, I think that in the red zone, for sure in the red zone, this coaching staff needs to get Marriott in there and make that a, make that a, a constant. With his legs, the way he can, uh, he can make plays and, and get the plays extended, Darren Waller will be his best friend in the red zone, at least for Renfro. Yesterday I saw a lot of passes that Zay Jones could have caught for touchdowns. He's wide open on a lot of plays. I don't really want to get rid of Derek Carr yet, but what I would like to do is see how the nation figures out how to use a running quarterback, and then maybe that's the future going forward. I, Mariota gets hurt a lot, so he scares me. But I do believe on longer third and second downs, bringing Mariota in <clears throat> would be a constant. Then our linebackers cannot – the linebackers do not just go back into coverage onto Renfro right. or onto Waller. And that's what yeah, I, that's, that's a good what point. I, go forward. Yeah. Thank yeah, you, that's JT. an interesting Great point. Appreciate it. Look, you got it. Thank you. I, I'm more for leaving Carr in the game. I think if Carr gets in a rhythm and is playing well, you don't want to take him out of the game. So the only way you would take Derek out of the game is if the team is so stagnant and they can't move the ball and they can't do anything, then you make a change and because you have to do something. You just can't continue to go back 
with the season on the line and run these plays. But in general, I think that Derek should stay in the game. But the fact that this team was not able to move Marcus Mariota at the trade deadline to a team that should have been sold on paying for Marcus Mariota and some type of compensation coming back to the Raiders, I think that was a mistake because Marcus, what happens if Marcus plays late in the season and the season's over? Hopefully that's not the case in the next couple of weeks. But you got to make up your mind what you're going to do with this guy. I mean, come on. You can't have a quality backup like Marcus Mariota who can do things in isolated situations during the game and not get him in when the quarterback, the starter's playing poorly. I mean, the amount of money that is ticking away and what Mariota's making, and good for him. He was able to secure that contract. But I think the Raiders could use that money in a lot of different places, if you're asking me. Mark and Vale, thanks for holding. Mark, ahead. Appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you. Thanks for the call. Um, taking my call. And I, I, I would like to offer my opinion on what I think what's going on with uh, Derek Carr and, uh, and what you think about this opinion. Mm-hmm. I'd like to preface this uh, with uh, I am a PSL holder out of state, uh, lifelong Raider fan, big Derek Carr fan. I think he's the man. And, uh, you know, and I, I come in for a few games. I was, uh, I came in for the Kansas City game, and I actually met you uh, at the Raider Tavern and Grill late on Friday night when you were mm-hmm. uh, chatting with the manager and you were trying to take, pick up the tab on Charles Woodson's little party there, which was pretty cool of you. Um, but anyway, here, here's my take. Um, you know, I'm going to borrow a term from um, Austin Powers. And, uh, you know, he seems to have lost his mojo. And I think it's a confidence problem. And I know, you know, my boys in sports, me, whatever I've done, when I'm confident, I, you know. Yeah, I don't want to compare you. I don't want to compare you and me to Derek Carr's confidence. We don't play in the NFL. But I I get what you're saying. He's got to get his mojo back, his confidence back, and we're trying to figure out how that happens. So, again, and it was great meeting you, great seeing you. I appreciate it. Love the call. I'm out of time, so that's why i got to wrap it up. Uh, Derek Carr does not need our opinions about what we did as kids for Mojo. Doesn't need that. We don't play the game. He does. He's got to figure it out on his own. Mr. Black in Honolulu. I fit you in. Go ahead. Thanks for waiting. Aloha, J- uh, JT. Um, you know, I agree with you throughout your whole show. We need to play with a sense of urgency. You know, there's a lot of things. The run sets up the pass, but I believe uh, – Throwing it downfield, uh, the pass can also set up the run. Mm. Um, I was listening to coaches' uh, pre or uh, post game thing you had on here, and I didn't mm. like what he said about. Uh, he said one line: the defense, uh, the the defense, we take what they give us. Now I go back; I'm 63 years old. I remember when Al Davis flat out said. We don't take what the defense gives us. We take what we want, and we need to get more of that yes. attitude again. And it seems like we're losing the, uh, you know, Al's been dead, what, 10 years now? And uh, But it seems like those sayings are just cliches now. I, you know, he was a great Mr. Al Davis, was one of the greatest minds in football. And those things that he said were not, those were true, and he yeah. really, really believed them. And I think that we should get back to uh, – to, uh, you know, attack, attack, attack. Pirates Thank attack. you, my friend. They take what they want. Thank you. I agree with that, too. They're not attacking because they don't believe they have an advantage 
attacking. They don't believe, they don't have the confidence that they can run those plays, which are 15 to 40-yard plays downfield for whatever reason. I'm shocked by it. I'm no longer amazed. I'm shocked. And I'm also shocked that they don't throw the ball in the end zone. They don't. They just don't take shots in the end zone when they get to the red zone. There's a lot of things happening right now. And this week, you know, we'll probably have one more day tomorrow. We've got some interviews lined up for tomorrow where we'll take a look at this loss. But Dallas at 5-5. Five and five. Man, 6-5 and five against Dallas would sound great. I thought it was 6-4. and four. I thought it was 6-4 and four going into Dallas. It felt really good about that. I couldn't have been more wrong. So 6-5 and five coming out of Dallas. And then Washington could get the season back on track. Last stop to get the season back on track. I think we'd all agree. Have a great day, everybody. Really appreciate you listening. At JT The Brick on Twitter and on Facebook. And thanks to all of our partners. Please support them on Raider Nation Radio.